0: Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit slash mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e newsletter. Our reading this week features five back to back moments where Jesus corrects a moral or religious belief held by the Pharisees. This group of devout Jewish believers play a really important role in Jesus' story in all four Gospels and also the book of Acts. If we're going to learn about Jesus' ministry, it really helps to know about this denomination of Jewish spirituality and political thought that Jesus frequently offends. So here's a short lesson in the history of the Pharisees. First, you need to know about synagogues. If you read your Old Testament, You know that the final historical events of the Old Testament involve the Great Exile of the Jewish people in 586 BC, That's the year that Jerusalem is sacked by the Babylonians, the temple is destroyed, and all of the educated and elites of Israel are led away into slavery. And this leaves the people of Israel scattered across the ancient world, some in Babylon, but others fled and found refuge in cities like Antioch in modern-day Syria and Alexandria in modern-day Egypt the destruction of Jerusalem, it leaves God's people without a centralized place to gather and to worship. And this is when the great tradition of the synagogue comes to emerge. The word synagogue comes from the words bringing together, and outside of Jerusalem these were houses of prayer and worship, which became the focus of Jewish life and education and culture. This is where the people, they learned the Torah. They learned about God's promises and God's laws. And it's where they prayed and worshiped now that the temple had been destroyed. Synagogues became the centers of how to remain faithfully Jewish in a foreign and sometimes hostile land. Now that you know about the synagogues, the next thing you need to know about is the Greek concept of Hellenization. Hellenization was a cornerstone of the conquering work of Alexander the Great. You will remember that Alexander the Great conquered most of the western world and a big chunk of the eastern part too, including Palestine where the people of Israel lived. And when Alexander conquered a region, he was a master of what we might call soft diplomacy. Uh, No pillaging, no plundering from his troops, really he just wanted tribute and taxes. (laughs) And so religious tolerance was a norm under Alexander the Great, and he would follow his conquest with public works projects too. If you paid your taxes and obeyed the law, and you let Alexander set up Greek institutions like gymnasiums and temples to Zeus, and you let him build public buildings and Greek architecture, there would generally be little trouble. And the result was that Greek culture, its art, its language, its religion, its music, its customs, it spread alongside and in, in the aftermath of Alexander the Great's Great Empire. It was the start of this multi continental norming of sorts, where people developed something like a common culture that was familiar across a great expanse of this empire. This continued on for about 300 years until the Roman Empire became the dominant cultural force. But even then, it too was enmeshed in Hellenistic thought and ideas as well. So you know about synagogues, where people worshipped outside of Jerusalem after the temple was destroyed, and you know about Hellenization, this great spread of Greek culture. There's one more thing that you'll need to know, and that is you'll need to know about the Hasmonians. For a period of about 100 years, starting in 140 BC, the Jewish people were able to revolt and gain their political independence. By this point, Jerusalem had been rebuilt, the temple had been rebuilt, and the city was an important trade location between Africa and the Middle East. It was at the time ruled by an empire called the Seleucid Empire, which is based in Syria. They were big fans of Hellenization, and they tried to stamp out Jewish religious life and culture and make it Greek. A man named Judas Maccabeus led a revolt, and eventually he and his army captured Jerusalem and kick out the Seleucid Empire. And so for the first time in nearly 500 years, Jerusalem is no longer subject to a foreign king. It is its own free country. The family that would come to rule over Judah and Jerusalem in its freedom was the Hasmonean family. The question then is how this country should be run. And on the one side of the debate, they argued that the state would be better off if it kind of cozied up to the Hellenistic powers if it embraced more of the Greek way of life. That way other nations wouldn't want to conquer Judah or Jerusalem, but ally with it and treat it as an equal, preserving its freedom. Others argued in opposition. The Jewish people had always been different. They'd always been weird to the world. They had always followed God. And whenever God's people embraced syncretism, God allowed another nation to conquer them. Ditch everything Greek, triple down on God's law, and God will bless Jerusalem and this independent nation will thrive. This first group, the group that approved of Hellenization, was called the Sadducees, named after a famous Old Testament priest named Zadok. The Sadducees tended to concentrate in Jerusalem around the temple. They lived a more urban and metropolitan lifestyle. They had more in contact with Hellenization. They tended to be of a higher socioeconomic class. They were the ones arguing that a little more Greek in the life of Jerusalem would help preserve the nation's independence. The second group, the group that argued to triple down on God's laws, were the Pharisees, named after the Hebrew word for spread out and separated. The Pharisees tended to be in more rural areas. They organized around those synagogues that we mentioned earlier. And they embraced most socioeconomic classes, including the lower classes. They tended to be a more populist movement. And when Jerusalem was captured by the Romans in 36 BC, overthrowing the Hasmoneans, The public threw their support behind the Pharisees. The Sadducees could not make it work, and so the Pharisees were the new way of trying to preserve the culture and the religion of the people of Israel. The core theology of the Pharisees was this. They believed that their relationship with God, the freedom of their country, and the state of their soul, rested in their ability to obey and follow God's law to a T. It's hard to overestimate how important it was to the Pharisees to follow God's law, By the time of jesus's ministry it even got to the point that the pharisees made extra laws on top of the laws that god gave them these bonus laws called traditions act as a line in the sand if we don't break these man-made laws then we won't break god's laws so obey these man-made laws for the sake of our salvation for the sake of of our country's national security the disobedience of one person to not obey the laws of man for the Pharisees, it wasn't just a matter of moral ethics. It was a matter of national security, a matter of national welfare. And surprisingly, Jesus spends a lot of our time in our reading today, in Mark's Gospel, in every Gospel, frankly, correcting and confronting these Pharisees. And, and that's really interesting, because you might think Jesus was all about keeping the rules, but the reality is much more complex. They may have gotten the rules down, the Pharisees, but their hearts were not in line with God's expectations. They made the proper sacrifices, but they didn't love their neighbors. They would tithe off the harvest from their backyard herb gardens, but they wouldn't help a neighbor in financial distress. They would observe the Sabbath as God's law, but they would not lend a hand to anyone who needed help on the Sabbath. They would publicly tell people to love their mother and their father, but secretly, some of the Pharisees themselves declined to help their own parents because they would say things like, God comes first. They're so concerned with adding and following rules, they didn't take into account how these rules impacted the poor, the sick, the tired, and the vulnerable. These are all critiques that Jesus will make at some point in the Gospels, and even though a handful of Pharisees, notably Nicodemus, come to agree with Jesus, Most will hear these critiques as existential threats to their way of life and to their understanding of Israel's prosperity and security. It's enough that by the end of our reading, the Pharisees conspire with a local political party to end Jesus' ministry and destroy him. On Sunday this week, we'll take a closer look at the pattern of extra laws and traditions that the Pharisees became known for these extra rules that function as a border fence around God's law. And next week on the podcast, we'll explore one of Jesus' most famous and scary teachings about unforgivable sins. Until then, have a great week, and see you Sunday, if not sooner. Tiffany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.